Welcome to Nutrition Assessment. As promised, this is a short little miniature bonus episode to elaborate on a story that I told as part of the cardiovascular assessment lecture. Um, So just if you're interested, sit back, relax, enjoy, um, and hear about how um, my family went through the, the process of getting a full evaluation of someone's heart health. Okay, story time. So this is actually, well, it's my story because I was there, but it's not my story, but I did ask permission to share this story. Um, five years ago, 2015, my, um, my father-in-law was having chest pain, um, which he, he didn't tell any of us that, but he was having chest pain that um, he felt it actually in his back. So it was very specifically in his back. And he felt like it was um, crushing him sort of from behind. And it would happen intermittently. And then as quick as it came, it would go away. Um, but I, I may have mentioned he didn't, he didn't mention this to anyone. He didn't say anything. And so at one point, there were some relatives from out of town visiting. And they noticed him, um, you know, sort of wincing and having this pain. And, and that person sort of started to push the issue. And that was when we found out that this pain had been happening for, for several weeks. So we, um, we, we had a, not exactly an intervention, um, but, uh, some conversations around, you know, would it be a good idea to, to have this checked out? And, um, one way or another, we ended up, um, in the emergency department at Riverside actually. And so, okay, we've got, we've got chest pain. Who's our patient? Um, patient is, um, older adult male with a family history of heart disease, former smoker. Um, slightly overweight, um, but he himself had no previous um, experience with heart disease. So we go to the emergency department, and there's really no quicker way to get seen than to go to the emergency department and say that you're having chest pain. Um, that, that typically gets you through the doors pretty quick. So they take him back and hook him up to the 12-lead ECG, and they're looking at his heart rhythm and rate. Um, They also draw blood and run that analysis right away for cardiac enzymes, and everything comes back normal. So nothing is amiss, nothing is elevated, you know, no troponin, nothing like that. Um, and the, the ECG seems to be fine, but you know, you're, you have a family history of heart disease, you're a former smoker, you're having this pain, we'll, we'll keep you overnight for observation. So he was kept, um, one night in the hospital for observation. And the next day we went to visit and to check in and the, um, the doctor there, the hospitalist came in and said, you know, you're really atypical for myocardial infarction. You're not experiencing any diaphoresis or da, 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 da. Honestly, guys, in, in hindsight, that was some of the worst bedside manner I've ever seen. This hospitalist used um, the highest possible level of jargon for explaining to, to us, to the family, what hadn't happened, right? So they were telling us all about the things that had not happened to my father-in-law but using the most technical poss- technical terms possible for that, right? So you're not experiencing diaphoresis. Well, what does that mean? That means he wasn't sweating, which is a typical sign for a heart attack. So that was that was not great. Um, but they, they did say, all right, we, we could do a cardiac stress test with you here in the hospital, uh, you know, while you're here, but you'll have to wait for the test and it'll be more expensive than if you just go home and have your primary care doctor refer you for a cardiac stress test. So if you'd you'd rather wait and do that outpatient, that would be cheaper. 
So, of course, um, after spending 24-odd hours under observation in the hospital, anybody would want to go home and save more tests for later. Um, So days, weeks, I don't remember, but later, um, my father-in-law went for his cardiac stress test. So the cardiac stress test can be done either as an exercise test where you're on a treadmill and they stress your heart by having you exercise, or a stress test can be done with medication. You can actually administer medication um, and see, have that stress the heart and see what the effects are. Um, But my father-in-law was healthy enough, they were going to try the treadmill stress test. But as part of the cardiac stress test, you first get hooked up to a 12-lead ECG to check the, the rhythm and the rate of your heart. And bless them, whoever the technician was that set up that ECG or, I don't know, the visit, somebody, somebody in the room, took a look at the ECG and said, this is not quite right. I don't like the way this looks. And so they um, immediately referred him for an emergency cardiac catheterization. So here I should point out that the cardiac stress test was scheduled in an outpatient building. Um, the the hospital system is, um, oh, heaven help me. I can't think of the name, but it's right here in town. St. Anne's, gracious sakes. Um, so it was at St. Anne's, but it was um, in the outpatient building at St. Anne's. And the cardiac cath happens in the main hospital building. And so because they'd seen something on the ECG that they didn't like, they called an ambulance and my father-in-law had to ride um, roughly 100 yards, the length of a football field, in an ambulance because he'd already been hooked up to the ECG and something wasn't right. Um, so remember when we said that the, the outpatient stress test would be cheaper? Paying for an ambulance ride is not cheaper. Um, so, you know, he had, he had to go in an ambulance across the parking lot to get to the main hospital. There's a happy ending to the story, which is why I can say it with a smile. Um, and so we, he ends up in the cardiac cath lab. I get a call. I, I go and I join um, the family in the waiting room to get the results. And um, turns out, as part of that cardiac catheterization, so they did a peripherally inserted catheter. As I recall, it was in the groin. So you you thread the, the camera and the catheter up through the vasculature to get to the heart and basically just explore the heart and look around and see what you can find that way. And in that process, they found that his right coronary artery was 95% occluded or basically um, had narrowed and um, there was buildup of plaque to the point that it was almost all the way shut. Um, And so they placed a stent there. And then there were a number of other blockages throughout his heart, but um, none of them were big enough to justify placing a stent. They were instead um, blockages that could be treated with medications. And so the physician who had done the procedure, the cardiac cath procedure, came out to the waiting room to tell us about what happened. And um, my, my mother-in-law said to the doctor, well, she's a dietitian. You just, you just tell her. And I got to tell you guys, like, yes, I am a dietitian. Yes, I did take medical terminology courses. I, I generally know what folks are talking about, but I'm not a cardiologist. So as soon as the doctor hears that I have a medical background, he switches gears and starts talking in high-level jargon again. Um, So I'm frantically just taking notes because he lists off the five or six different medications that we were going to start, he was going to start my father-in-law on, none of which I had heard of. Um, So I I got all those medications written down at least, um, at least our guest the spelling. 
Um, and then I, then I was able to look those up later. Um, and actually I think I looked them up right then using, um, Medline Plus is my go-to when I'm in a, in a spot like that. And I need to find the information to help translate what the, uh, providers just told us. And, you know, for, for the cardiac catheterization, it was done inside the hospital and I, fairly confident that my father-in-law was under general anesthesia. If not, he at least had medication that he had no idea what was going on um, and very relaxed. But as soon as it was done, really, you know, he, he woke back up and he was a little groggy in bed. Um, but it's really a very minimally invasive procedure. He didn't need to recover from it necessarily, um, other than just sort of the effects of anesthesia are kind of nasty. Um, so after that, he was, he was discharged home and started on all these medications. I don't remember what they were. Um, but I'm sure there was a statin in there to, um, look at cholesterol, probably some blood pressure medications, possibly a, um, medication to delay clotting time. I I don't remember. It's been five years now. Um, and he was told to follow up with his cardiologist and was referred to cardiac rehab. So cardiac rehab, we got a whole brochure of all the great things he would do at cardiac rehab in terms of learning about nutrition for heart disease. And it would be a, a gymnasium, essentially, that he would go to and have supervised exercise time so he could work on his heart health and exercise. And he opted out of it. He didn't do any of that. And, and that was his choice. Um, so he's, to this day, he of course follows up with his cardiologist and takes all the medications. Um, but he elected not to make any particular, um, diet or exercise changes. Um, and that was, that was his call. That's, that's what he, he decided to do. So, um, it's a, it's an, it's a good story for tying together like, okay, we have chest pain. We'll go to the emergency department. We'll do cardiac enzymes and an ECG. That's step one. Okay. There's nothing there. But you should probably get a cardiac stress test since your family history of heart disease. We go for the cardiac stress test, which would have told us something, or in this case, might have caused my father-in-law to, to keel over. Essentially, as I remember it, what the um, cardiologist told us after the cardiac cath procedure was that the tissue, the heart tissue that was fed by that right coronary artery was kind of trying to have a heart attack. It wasn't fully blocked, but it was suffocating. It was deprived of oxygen-rich blood, and so that was what was causing that chest pain. Um, and so since, since then, since the stent was placed and the medication started, um, he's not had that same chest pain. And, you know, we were talking about it the other day. He really remembers it as a crushing pain in the, in the back, and so the middle of his back, which is not what we describe as a typical symptom of a heart attack. And this is something where, um, particularly when we look at symptoms of a heart attack in males versus females, what's been defined as typical maybe needs to be revisited, um, largely because a, a typical heart attack in a female looks very different from a typical heart attack in a male. But my father-in-law is, is male, and what he experienced was atypical, as the doctor said. The, the doctor came in the room and basically dismissed us as saying, well, you're not having a heart attack. Your symptoms aren't right. Um, only he said it in far more confusing words than that. And it turned out he was not having a heart attack, um, but he was awfully close. So we're, we're very grateful, ultimately, for how that all turned out. And, and did you catch the piece where we could have gotten the cardiac stress test while in the hospital, 
but we were discharged because it would be cheaper to have it outside in an outpatient setting. But oh, by the way, once you're in an outpatient setting, if they find something, you have to get an ambulance to ride across the parking lot to get to the inpatient setting. And those ambulance rides, even if they are across the parking lot, those are not cheap. So, um, man, our current our current system for health is just crazy. Um, But I thought I'd share that story just because it goes through basically the progression of several different tests for looking at heart health. (laughs) 